Hey there, gang, and welcome back for another episode of Questions in Cars. This week I have with me my brother, Axel Cerny. Hey there, Axel. Hey there, Hunter, and everyone listening. How's it going for you this week? It's going well. Uh, another week of work in the new house and trying to get things uh, in shape and yeah. ready to go, yeah. We're sitting in the middle of just uh, just everything is being remodeled around us. It looks like just, just a torn out wall. chaos. But it'll be glorious and like a, how, how long do you think until it'll be finished um well this wall project i think we have another week and then it should be we for not understanding listeners the, the knockdown of a wall from a kitchen into a living space should be wrapped up at least finished somewhat which within the week so you only really get true beauty through chaos <laughs> I don't know what that is, but... <laughs> I don't think that's true, actually. It does, uh, uh... How's it just a continuous project for... Yeah. That I, I will say something that, that's crossed my mind as we go into these... Some of these kind of random questions that we're about to address is... Is that with... So with owning a house, like, everything just keeps going. Yeah, there are some things, I think, maybe like painting, where you're like, okay, I won't have to do that for a while... But everything else I feel like I do, I'm like, I'm going to do this again in not too long. And it's a little discouraging, but then I guess that's kind of the, the life of it. <laughs> yeah. So. Anyways. Exciting. Yeah. Um, starting a new life. Uh, so I'll, I'll just kick things off and start the first question. Um, my question for you is something that I've, I've seen influence you, but... Uh, I, uh, I, I guess I'll just get right to it. I, my question for you is, how did it impact you to have someone like Michael Jordan as kind of like a hometown hero when you were growing up? Um, it's like, just, yeah, how did it impact you? And it was something that I, like, just missed. I don't ever remember Michael Jordan playing on the Bulls. I do remember him playing on the Wizards, but that was something I think yeah. everyone would rather forget. Um, yeah, we would. So, so, um... Just, yeah, what what impact did that have on you growing up? Possibly? So so I guess, it, like, there's two aspects I see to your question, and, and it's, like, the the impact of just an unbelievable basketball player and, 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 that, and that legacy and time period and the success that he had. And then the other side of it was, seriously, the fact that living in Chicago or the area of Chicago during that time period, it brings that to a whole uh, other level, I think. So... For me, and it's it's weird, and, and I, the the first thing I always point to when people ask a little bit about this thing, I've kind of been asked about this in other in other ways maybe before, but is that there were so many people, not just myself, but um, who I think were drawn to play the game of basketball growing up, and then and also to just try to be the best to at, as well at it. Um, by watching Michael Jordan, and, and that's exemplified by the um, unbelievable amount of talent that came out of and, and does come out of the Chicago high school um, schooling system. Ba- I mean, in, in, reg- in relation to the game of basketball, I mean, there are you can go through and look through NBA players, but many, many stars come out of Derrick Rose, uh, Emeka Okafor, re- recent draft pick. 
I mean, just off the top of my mind, Evan Turner, who I played with, was a top five draft pick. I mean, these people in the last, you know, and I think we're all right now kind of people who are around that, you know, who who would have seen it. It's kind of come to an end, as you're mentioning your age. But, you know, you look in the last five, six years in drafts, that was kind of the tail end of Michael Jordan's career, um, people who grew up watching that. And it's funny, I really do think you see a lot of the best basketball players um, being drafted who have come through and and and, uh, and came out of the Chicago area. And, and I think that is in large part due to the influence that Michael Jordan had on people growing up. Personally, for me, I guess if I can turn to that a little bit, I'd just say that, um, you know, I already had a little bit of an inclination towards playing basketball. I, I, I enjoyed sports generally um, growing up anyways, but man, there's something different about when you you know, go through your school day, maybe play basketball recess or whatever, and then you come home. And literally at that time in uh, our area, everyone was watching, you know, night in, night out when there were games. I mean, it's a topic of conversation, you know, in the sandwich shop. It's the topic of conversation at school. Everyone's wearing Michael Jordan jerseys. You know, it was a celebration and we knew we were the best and that was what made it you know, so much fun. Yeah. Does that transpire beyond basketball even? Like, I mean, to have athletic heroes like that, that doesn't just affect how people play sports. Like, to see someone come out of, like, a really, like, he he wasn't, like, a wealthy person growing up, and he really overcame a lot. For people to see that, I would think that would also just help people in all kinds of careers. It does. It does, um, you know, and, and without getting, you know, too profound with it like Michael Jordan's attitude was and and to and and I think to a fault somewhat but you know win at all costs I mean kill like everyone has said it but like killer instinct um he's one of the I think of two or three athletes who I can think of that when circumstances um got more intense when the stakes rose, when the pressure increased, Michael Jordan was better than he was before. And he was already great, but he was better than he was before. So I think when you applying that, like in other areas, like I, I did kind of, I, I feel like I did have that in my mind that like, you know, the way you get to be the best is when the stakes are, you know, when the stakes rise, that's when you take it to another level. And so, um, I definitely say that's in your, that was in my mind growing up. And then I just remember Michael Jordan was the coolest. Like he was what everyone wanted to be. So yeah. Yeah. So when you saw that and you saw the way he did things, it did, uh, for me, it definitely transferred into other areas of my life. And I, you know, I, I don't know how much I can speak for, for other people entirely, but Definitely for me, I think my competitiveness a little bit and, and things like that. Maybe I have that in me a little bit, but certainly certainly enhanced by idolizing him and watching him growing up. So Yeah. And you see you see Michael Jordan struggle and overcome maybe in basketball sometimes, but to to me looking back on it and looking at like documentaries and things, his minor league baseball career is to like or just a really great example of his that killer instinct and that desire to overcome crazy obstacles no matter what he wasn't like Mm -hmm. a great baseball player but he was able to actually do pretty decently in the minors and maybe could have made some sort of an impact in the majors if he 
stuck at it. But, like, I, I think that's something that a lot of people overlook is just how well he did in baseball is so much better than anyone else just picking up a baseball bat. Like, that was amazing. Yeah. And when you study, when, when people study Michael Jordan closely, I think that um, what comes to light is is his work ethic. I think on the surface you can see he's phenomenally gifted. Um, he has, you know, an incredible mentality. He's a leader. But behind the scenes when you see and, and you hear about him growing up and where he came from, what level he was at, um, work ethic is what took him to that next level. And so if we're playing yeah. baseball, um, yeah, you don't – nobody – Really, I mean, there are people who have done multi sports, but I've never. There's no basketball, baseball ever. I've I've ever heard of um, who professionally did both of those. Um, but I also do, and there's a little conspiracy theory with that. You know, that whole time yeah. period. There, I mean, I also do think that that might not have been entirely his choice to go and play baseball at that time. But um, but that being said, I I, I mean, yeah, admiral. He didn't have success as is portrayed and. Space Jam and other things, but he ad, ad, I mean admirable that he yeah. that he did it. He was a legitimate minor league baseball player, and yeah, I mean that's just crazy. Some people say, yeah, many people say. I think I think a lot of athletes who have ever stepped into a baseball, uh, you know, batting box and, and taken a pitch from a major league pitcher, which I recently saw Charles Barkley did with before a Cubs game, will say that that is the most difficult single act in all sports. So yeah. to do that. To translate that, um, you know, somebody who's just playing basketball and all of a sudden to step in and do that. He hadn't been playing baseball while he's playing basketball. So that, that is pretty, I think, pretty impressive. Definitely. Yeah. Do you have a, uh, a question for oh, me? This here? is where we transition to my. I can do this. I can transition this. Okay. Um, I think there's a lot of value for people sacrificing uh, their bodies, adults making decisions to do things. Wait, wait, wait. Do I get to ask a question first, or do we? Well, okay. I was. Do you think you could segue it? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, go ahead. So we're gonna do this without <laughs> editing. Um, what I would say is, well, certainly Michael Jordan was um, the greatest form of entertainment in my generation. All right. Okay, All right. and I. Um, I think generally entertainment has changed a lot since I've grown up and it's it's become uh, you know what it is today yeah. which I would say is um, I, I hate to always go back to this but I think a lot like reality TV is like almost like the uh, you know the uh, the triggering event and a lot of the changes it's like how much raw real can you handle? And so, yeah, some of that on the entertainment line is is cool, but um, and enjoyable, and and it, I don't know, it, it triggers a whole new genre of entertainment. But my question really goes to how far can you go with that? Um, you know, letting people exercise their personal freedoms to entertain the masses. So. I guess when I first look at it, I mean, there's a couple different ways this could go, but I guess I'd start by focusing on kind of that like more sports genre and I look at like a UFC yeah. or like, I mean, how much do we let people, and there's been boxing for a long time, but how much do you let people go ahead and, and, uh, and, and do whatever um, they want to to entertain people, you know, just because they have personal freedom to do it. Yeah. 
And I, I think we both are people that really believe in personal freedoms for adults, that they should be able to make decisions for themselves. So I would allow a lot of free range on that, on the entertainment. I think people can generally do a lot of different stuff. I, I don't... You, if, if someone was willing to harm themselves for millions of dollars and you wanted to turn tune in for that, I wouldn't tune in for it, but I think you should be able to. So I guess the line for me is at moral... When you bump up against, like, moral problems. Like, I've, obviously we're not going to have people kill each other and, like, be entertained by that. Because that's, you know, that's morally wrong. And, uh... I guess that's 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 where I draw the line with, with morality. Okay, but I want to so I want to take your morality and I want to say, uh, all right. Well, no, but so yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> you basically you can say injury up until the point of death. But like what? Oh, like but but that, I mean but what is that? I mean because you should know it should also be known that Axel is, is a lawyer and he's gonna really hash this out to its to well, the fine points. <laughs> gonna, gonna get a real answer here. <laughs> all right, go ahead. No, but I, so so, <clears throat> like UFC, it, it, I that's what comes to mind. There's another example in my mind earlier, but it's not coming back to me right now. But I mean, obviously, we can talk about the one of the big situations that's the multi-million, if not billion-dollar industry is the NFL, and you, you, we see all these lawsuits now from NFL players, like I, I you know, you let me do this, you whatever. I mean. Yeah, where do we eventually just say we don't let anyone do this because we find out? You know, we talk. This is really what a lot of people are saying is like we're finding out that all these CT or what you yeah. know these yeah. traumatic brain injuries that that resulted from years of banging heads against heads. So do we just eventually say, um, you know, enough is enough, and this is not a form of entertainment? Yeah, I mean. I saw a concussion, so I'm somewhat of an expert on this. Um, <laughs> I, I The problem with <clears throat> sports organizations is if they are not reveal If they're withholding research into the extent of these injuries and things, if everything isn't known about the risks you are taking as an adult. So if, if you're doing something and you don't understand all the risks, then, yeah, that's probably something that shouldn't be happening. So if... If an NFL player understands all the risks, this is like a really physically intense uh, career you're going into. And if they know that and they're, I mean, if they they can argue for compensation on that as what happens every single year. And if they feel like they reach a point where that compensation is good, then yeah, I feel like they should be able to go ahead and do that as long as they understand the risks. Yeah, so there's like two... There's two ways to go with this too, and, and I think you're getting at what I'm what I'm zoning in on, and that is like, there's personal freedom to do what you want to do, and I'm a big proponent, as I believe you are, of that generally. Um, you know, really in your home, as without affecting anyone else, um, as an adult, there's really a lot of personal freedom should be given. I mean, that's just the way it is. But when we talk about entertainment, it's like there's a trickle-down effect. And, and, and especially with the NFL and kids who want to play football and things like that, you know, what are, what, you know, what are you creating long-term when this is the biggest generating entertainment sport in America? 
and growing still, like what are you creating for kids who get involved in this and they've had eight concussions by the time that they're a sophomore in high school? Yeah. <clears throat> Is there any concern there? And so, and it's what we might call like a systemic problem. So I guess the trickle down there, and you're talking about like kids playing like uh, – like uh, park district football or high school football stuff like that. Like yeah, organized yeah. football on that level. I mean, I mean, you played high school football. Yeah, there's a kid on your team I remember who had some concussion issues. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Dean Polly. Yeah, and yeah. so, I mean, eventually he was he. I think he was pulled from football, yeah. right? He, yeah, he can't play football anymore. Um, but yeah, and so with the trickle down, I think it also falls on. So this comes to the question of adults being able to make decisions for themselves and the adult in that situation would be the parents that the parents have to be able to understand the risks for their child and make a decision for them in the situation for park district or high school football and I, again I, I think that's just the I mean they aren't getting paid for it but I, they're getting enjoyment out of it and I got plenty of enjoyment out of it and so that's enough reward and you look at the risk and if you feel like the reward is greater than the risk then you should be able to do that so how do you feel about that if adults can make the decision how do you feel about like an adult uh, encouraging his child into like MMA uh, so like you got Johnny you know 8 year old Johnny and, and, and 9 year old Phil yeah battling it out till somebody gets somebody in a, in a you know a, a knockout position or a suffocation hold or something Johnny, I mean, <laughs> yeah, you know, passes out yeah, before a parent's eyes. Yeah, that that's something their parents want uh, to do with with for their children. Then that's fine. Yeah, that does not seem right to me. <laughs> if I mean, ultimately, children are their parents are responsible for their children, so you got to be able to trust that. So okay. Well, and I guess we could go. We could go down that for for a long (laughs) ways as far as just letting your children do or whatever you want them to do as long as. I mean, when does this? When does the state step in to say like you you shouldn't be you shouldn't as a parent have your child do this? I might say UFC might be around that line if I were to go into that. I mean, yeah, I was getting there. I mean, I that's. I don't think that's a legitimate. And I I mean, I think there'd have to be like an age limit. Probably you wouldn't don't want like six. Solid six years old. Um, no, I, I mean, I just I, I I say it because maybe I'm a little bit on the NF. I, I'm a little bit probably playing devil's advocate because I do. I'm, I can't imagine a, a a a country of America where you can't grow up playing football. But um, but I know that that's the debate that's headed down. You know, that's coming down the pipeline. Th- this debate. And it's gonna be like, wh- like, where do we draw the line in, in protecting children? I just see that that's gonna be the question. I do think there has to be a line somewhere. Um, Football is so different from like rugby or UFC or boxing. Even there's these the helmets these days are just so far beyond what they used to be. And I mean, you got padding all over the place. I. I know that there's a debate coming for football, like whether or not it should be allowed on certain levels, and I just, uh, yeah, I, it would be a shame to see that get thrown out. Yeah. The larger, the larger question, though, you know, in drawing a line, 
on once again taking it back to uh, the exercise of personal freedom um, for for the purpose of entertainment. I mean, it, it sounds like, and correct me if I'm misinterpreting what you're saying, but there's basically in your mind there's not really like a line as long as the the people are willing to do it and are informed of what they're getting into. I mean, that is that is that basically your Kind of yeah, as long as not that. bumping up against like any obvious moral compromise. Well, what does that mean? Obvious moral, like like killing someone or you know ex- exploiting another person. I don't know. I think I think those are basically pretty, death is your is your <laughs> is the only line there. I mean, I could, we could get in other things too, but yeah. Okay. Yeah, I that as that's exactly probably where I stand. I guess it's such a tough tough. Uh, thing to answer but uh yeah I think if someone is informed and they feel like the reward is enough yeah then they can go ahead and do that because they're an adult they can make adult decisions alright I just I don't I don't it like really bothers me to have any like the government step in and say like certain forms of entertainment should just be like outlawed because they're well what, well, what do you think about what do you think about kids being uh, kids watching like MMA or stuff like that? Is there any is there any line in that side of things? Uh, like yeah, I mean, MMA is tough. I I don't like MMA. I think I I don't get enjoyment out of that. And it does seem so similar to like just throwing people in a gladiator pit and having them go at it. But I these they're getting. There's compensation. It's not like we're like forcing them to do this. They're making a conscious decision to train, to suit up and go out and do this, and they are getting enjoyment out of it, and they're getting paid a ton of money for it. Yeah. And then, the, so for the trickle down, for like kids, I I would just trust the adults to deal with that. I I I I couldn't handle having government pick like winners and losers in the sports community. That seems so. That seems like a dangerous path to go down. Yeah. Yeah. Well, a very sports-related conversation generally, but... Yeah. ...we've had here, but... <laughs> oh, man. Uh, well, yeah, there's just no real conclusion to come to there, except just to that find your stance on it. Um, do you have a personal digression for us? Uh, a personal digression that I have just revolves around, I feel like, what... Um, a lot of people experience, and that is, I cannot believe, and, and I think you probably haven't hit the years, maybe you have a little bit, where you um, end up calling into like some of these services that have uh, huge amounts of customers, and so there's there's you know the call times and all that stuff, and you oh, get yeah. thrown into the queue. Mm-hmm. I think of you, you know everyone thinks of Comcast and and whatever AT and T, whatever service you might use, but I. I have had multiple times now where I think, to, like, what if people could, in other jobs, when somebody called into me, I could say, and they were just annoying me or I didn't know the answer or whatever, I could just say, I'm going to transfer you to another department and then, like, just hang up on somebody. <laughs> I say that because in the big picture, what I, yeah. what I like, what's crazy to me is the way that these, like, huge companies operate – because there's just not that much competition, they're able 
to get away with like such miserable levels of customer service. And so, yeah. I mean, I just went back to Comcast because quite frankly, their technology and their service is better, not the customer service, but their service. And I, th- I do think they might be doing some things to make it better, but I mean, I wouldn't, if I, there were some other option out there that was like way better customer service and even remotely competitive, I wouldn't even think twice about it. But these big, you know, companies who, who just dominate these, what do you, who else do you have? I mean, literally, I can't think of anybody in my area outside of Comcast and AT&T. I don't think maybe di- is Dish, time, but... Is Time Warner, is that different, Warner, Time Warner Cable? I, I don't, I think that is a cable company. I don't think they service our Chicagoland area ah, here. Okay. I mean, there are areas that like these things yeah. go to and they, they buy out the small, like... A Comcast, there used to be a lot more cable companies. There used to be a lot more yeah. like cable television companies, whatever. These companies came in and just bought them out. So they, they crushed the competition um, for certain areas geographically. If you're in a remote area, I think sometimes you still hear some smaller companies still service. But like you don't have an option here with this stuff. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's just crazy to me how incompetent um, – and I don't mean go on just like this tirade that I think a lot of people would would do the same thing, but it's just like there's just no solution. We just all sit here and say we'll accept this level of incompetence and communication with us, and taking twenty minutes to I mean you know like it's not like calling a restaurant to order pickup food. Like yeah. you're gonna take at least twenty minutes to just like get to somebody to talk to about the most simple problem. Um, so I, I just, I think that that's crazy to me how those types of companies, uh, you know, get the business that they do, but I'm sitting here and I, I pay it as well. But I think that's something, you know, whatever. It, it's a common, a common negative thing. I think a lot of people are sharing it, but it just seems wild that we all just accept this and the competition isn't there for these Things. Yeah, yeah, just so difficult for another company to break into that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Which is the benefit of the um, you know competition free market idea. If you can create a market where people have the opportunity to compete, you know, without having to like invest millions and millions of dollars to just get started, then you know you end up getting better products usually. So. But yeah, I digress. No, yeah, there's the thing with free market and competition is that there's got to be a winner eventually, and our government's job is to prevent that. But sometimes they, especially when I would probably be upset at some of the processes the government would have to go through to prevent there being these like oligarchies. I yeah, it's it's tough. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. That's my personal digression. That I really guess. was a personal digression. Well, yeah, it was kind of more like a <laughs> rant or tirade. I have more of a. This is just something interesting that I learned uh, last week. It is. It's. It doesn't really. It's just interesting. It was. Uh, so in 1787, Mr. Watts, who Wattage is named after, uh, came was coming up with, and I. He's brilliant, brilliant man. Um, Come up with a different idea for shot, for, like, bullets, basically. And at the time, in 1787, how they made bullets is they would pour lead into uh, casting, and they would have to just keep pouring lead into castings over and over again. And he was thinking of an idea for creating bullets that would have less (coughs) resistance because doing these lead casting bullets 
shooting those, sometimes they would there was so much friction in the barrel that they would just come out with no velocity at all and bounce off the person or just jam along the way. There were all like, kinds ooh, of things. Yeah. Just bounced off like it, Like an airsoft pellet. But, um, so he was thinking of an idea for, for like, a just creating uh, as little resistance as possible. And he thought the way to do that was just by creating a droplet of lead. And so you have to drop it from a building, obviously. And uh, in England, they he was living in... Uh, just the standard row houses that they had there, and he had to build two more stories on top of his row house, and you can go and see pictures of Watt's row house, and it's just a bunch of, like, these English row houses, and then his is just, boop, like, two stories ahead of the, all the other ones, and he would, he dropped lead pellets from up there and into a cold bucket at the bottom. He'd drill a hole in his house, and that worked really well. It was just a, a way better way to produce bullets, and that ultimately became something that really sparked in the United States um, building of taller brick houses for, for shot. They were called shot towers. And in, um, in Baltimore, I think the Emerson Tower, which is a really famous tower in Baltimore, was built for this particular purpose, and it was the tallest building in the United States for about a decade because of that. Just, I don't know. First of all, my, like... Your personal digression is just so far beyond <laughs> what I brought to this. So embarrassing my personal Not as digression. relatable as yours. Well, yeah, I was just kind of, you know, flying it. But the uh, the, the second thing I say, so I, I just want to make sure I'm following this. Yeah. When they would drop these lead pellets yeah. off the heights, the higher inside building. Inside the building, they would have like a hole that they would drop them to the bottom where there would be like a big bucket. And, and then the, they hit the bucket. And they would cool before they hit the bottom of the bucket. They would... So they were hot. Yeah. And they were malleable. In the air, yeah. In the air. And then they, they hit the bottom of the bucket. And yeah. so they like flattened out. No, 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 no. They'd hit the water... And the water wasn't enough to flatten the shape or anything. By the time it hit the bottom, it had cooled and solidified. Okay. So you had think of like a big water cylinder, basically. So so my so my thing is, so you drop this like hot metal into this water bucket. Yeah. Goes through the water. It's cooling, and it just forms into a bullet shape. No, 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 you drop it. You have like a sort of like a you have a molten circle that you have or molten sphere, and then you drop that. And in the process of just traveling through the air, because Water droplets don't they don't they don't fall in like a droplet shape. They don't they're not like a Hershey's kiss falling through the air. They're they they're are not. circles. <laughs> they're they're circles. They're circular. They okay. water or the air resistance just tends to create circles. Okay. And so with that process, it's oh. not it's not perfect, but it's way better. Just the natural process of the air. Wow. So when, by the time that it got down into the bucket and went into the cooling mode, yeah. it was much more of a perfect circle than yeah. anything they could do with a mold or whatever else. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Huh. Kind of taken. You would think it, you would need like more innovation as far as like better castings and like better like yeah. machinery but really it was just the natural yeah. process of falling through the air yeah you know comcast are real jerks <laughs> <laughs> so. uh yeah uh ah, man i speaking of customer service i amazon is 
you would think they're like massive and you don't have a lot of other places to go for shipment, but they yeah. are actually outstanding. I have had one experience with them in changing my address right. I had listed. And it, no, it was outstanding. Oh, is okay. my point. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it was great. They were... <laughs> Shatter mine. No, no. I have had one. I've documented. They, they were great. They were great. So yeah, I yeah. can... Uh, and they're definitely call center people too. Like I can tell they're from like India. So yeah. I don't... It's not, it's not the call center's fault. No, it's not. <laughs> so, uh, do you have a song for us this week? I do. Um, maybe I should actually... I know what it's called, and, and so maybe I should just... Um, I don't know if this is going to cause a problem in your... Probably not. It's okay. Okay. Well, um, it's a, there's, a, there's a... You may know the original song of this, but there's a fast car... What you have to know about me is oh, I'm a little into... Oh, man, yeah. I love remix. this song. Oh, the remix? No, there's I've, a remix. I've never heard the remix before. Okay, well, Fast Car's great. Fast and that's a classic, car. and also everyone should know about that. woman. Tracy Chapman, who sounds like a man, in the song. <laughs> that blew my mind. Yeah. But this Fast Car remix is outstanding, and I think it's by Lucas... I think it's by a German guy, Lucas Tirschmann. Wow. That's what I'm going to say. Great. Yeah, but it's it's outstanding. I'm not supposed to... We're, you have your own way of making oh, this yeah, play, well, right? Okay. Yeah, it's coming in over the speakers now. Um, yeah, that's a great song choice. Oh, yeah. Well, you, 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 you'll yeah. like this remix. I'll pull it up in a second. Um, awesome. So this is uh, Fast Car by... Originally, Tracy Chapman remixed by Lucas Pursman. All right. You guys have a good week. All right. Danke, Hunter. Thanks for having me on.
myself, you still ain't got a job Not work in the market as a checkout girl At all things will get better You'll find work and I'll get promoted We'll move out of the shelter Buy a bigger house, I'll live in the suburb You have a fast car See fast enough, so you can fly away You gotta make a decision Leave tonight, I'll let them die this way Oh, mm -hmm.